every Sunday morning I would get up and I would do one. Um, and it was, sometimes it was, you'd look at a photo and, it, and the story would just be there. Sometimes you'd beat your head against the wall, you know, and you'd go, through, you'd go through all the photos you had several times before you finally said, okay, this is the one. Hi, this is Stephanie Fowler. And this is Tony Russo. And you're listening to another episode of So What's Your Story? a podcast in which we talk to authors and writers about their writing, the stories behind the story, the writing process, and any other sort of miscellaneous writing stuff that we want to talk about. Today on the podcast, we have author and flash fiction writer Bud Scott. His new collection of short stories is entitled Dead People from the Attic. Bud has been writing in the genre of supernatural, humor, and human interest, and his new book is a culmination of those genres in the flash fiction style. So, welcome to the podcast, Bud. Thanks for having me. I think this makes time number three. Time number three, yeah. Yeah, I think it is. All so. in the same book. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a different one because when you were here last time, you were thinking that this this project might turn into a book, and now we have actually gone ahead and done just that. But for people who haven't listened to your, your podcast, number one and number two, um, tell us a little bit about the project of De- Dead People from the Attic and where it came from and... Okay, well, Dead People from the Attic started out as A Thousand Words, uh, was the name of the working title, um, but Dead People from the Attic is a much better title. Yeah, it's, it's a bit catchier. <laughs> yeah, um, and it was from cleaning out my father's attic uh, and finding a bunch of old photos that my sister and I had no idea who they, be- who they were or who they belonged to, and so I said, I'll take them, I'll do something with them, and... It turned into this right so you get that you've got this suitcase or just an old box full of like really vintage I mean you know you've got people's like swimming on the beach but they're in the full you know like actual like long bathing suits and you know really I mean they're really vintage I mean they're not just like old photos but right yeah some of them run probably back to the 1880s yeah. And and I think probably the the most current one that's in the book is probably the 40s. Yeah. So. And so these stories, so you have these photographs and you're kind of looking at them. And then what made you decide, I have this random photograph of maybe, maybe a family member, maybe not a family member. And now I'm going to write a story to that. Like, how did that sort of. Uh, I, I brought a couple of these pictures to one of our. Uh, uh, Maryland Writers Association meetings. Try, oh, that's right. Trying, totally trying, to stim- trying to stimulate, you know, thinking right. there'd be a writing prompt. And nobody was buying it. Um, and so Joan Cooper said, said, you should start a blog. And, what, and so I said, okay. And so I thought about it. And then I started the blog. And then I decided I was going to do a story a week for a year and come up with a book. And so it took about 13 months instead of a year. But. <laughs> but what's what's also really interesting is that setting that kind of deadline for yourself, though, like makes you be creative, whether you feel like you want to write or not. You know, you've got it. You've got to get it done. You've this self-imposed deadline. And did you did you feel like having this self-imposed deadline made it so that you were willing to take more chances on? on a on a story than you might have been if you were under like looser constraints were, were you ever like well i gotta write something what about this like did it make you you know did it make you brainstorm any better uh 
Possibly. It's hard to say. Um, I, <clears throat> every Sunday morning I would get up and I would do one. Um, and it was, sometimes it was, you'd look at a photo and it, and the story would just be there. And then right. sometimes you'd beat your head against the wall, mm-hmm. you know, and you go through, you go through all the photos you had several times before you finally said, okay, this is the one. Right. Um, so it, now, as you're going through the photos, were you setting them aside saying, okay, I'll do this one in the future? Like, did you know, or was it like, this is the photo I'm using today? I, no, I, it was, that was, it was the one I'm using today because I, I would go through, I would glean out maybe four or five and uh-huh. say, say one of these today. Right. And then, uh, and then I put the other, when I finally picked one out, the other ones would go back in the box. And then the next week I do the same thing over again and it wasn't always the same ones that I'd pick out again. Did you ever reject the same picture time after time? Did, did some, did, did, was there a photo that always came in third, let's say? <laughs> there, there was always, yeah, well, I, no, I think at, at some point I had, I had the crux of what I was going to do. Right. And, and, and the ones that really didn't speak to me at all just got in a different box. Ah, I see. <laughs> um, and the other thing that I was curious about is when you go from, from the blog and, I was just reading, uh, there's a book out, it's probably been out 20 years now, uh, maybe 15, called uh, The Internet is a Playground. And it was one of the earliest books where someone took their blog, took their popular blog down and had it published. There was, do you remember there was a spate of those, right, mm-hmm. in uh, 2005 or so? You know, well, yeah, all I mean, sudden, hyperbole and a half. Same she, thing. She took basically the did did kind of the same thing. I think hers was later than 2005, but, but same, same concept, yeah. And so when you get another bite at the apple here, do you revise the stories? Because I know you, you, you did your best to keep them close to a thousand words. Did you let yourself go a little bit when you moved them over to the book and you were doing your revisions or? No. Yeah. They, they basically stayed. I mean, they were, they, they were pretty clean when they got done, mm-hmm. even though they were like a one, one pass deal. Right. Um, and so it was, it was cleaning up. Uh, punctuation and syntax, a few things here and there. And the other thing too is when when Bud first handed over fifty two stories and fifty two photographs. Um, the other thing too was they were, they were untitled. Mm, so right. then I kind of sent Bud back to the thing, and I was like, "Are we doing chapter one? Because they're not. They don't really." It's not like you have to. They're all individual stories. I love I love things like that where you can just pick it up, open it, and start reading it. Exactly. So I was like, so chapter one, two, three, four, five would maybe kind of indicate that you know they're sort of together. And I was like, so do you want to do that? Do you want to leave it just sort of untitled in some way, or we do titles? And then Bud's like, yeah, hang on, I'll get you a title. (laughs) (laughs) So. Then I got an email with 52 titles and we just had to kind of go through and, and, and match what seemed right. Now, so did you, did you title them? So you hadn't titled them at all before you. Nope. They weren't titled. No. So tell us a little bit about the titling process. Uh, Is that it, hard for you? Cause titles for me are so hard. It, well, I basically had to read all the stories again because it, they'd been sitting so long. Uh-huh. It had been almost a year. Um, and so it was looking at the picture, reading, reading the story again to, to just get that little nugget to come up with a, a, um, title. Right. And so, but I did it in a day. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. (laughs) But that's the thing that I think you're pretty neat about your stories is that 
they are these really nice little bite-sized pieces, right. but everything sort of there's there's nothing that sort of feels undone. It's a very they're very I don't want to I don't want to make it sound like they're simple and that they're n- not good, but they're it's a very like easy in like the story arc, and I think that was one of the things that you do pretty well. And there were a couple of stories that were my favorite. It's like the story arc in a thousand words. It's just it's just right there, and mm-hmm. I think to neatly to be able to do that is is pretty cool, because I mean I can take thousands and thousands of words and still be like, am I even in a story arc or what am I doing here? <laughs> but you know I think that in reading there's one story in particular, and Bud knows which one is my favorite, and I won't do any spoiler alerts, but mm-hmm. it's it's very sort of Bud Scott like it's this very neat clean story arc, and but at the very end. You read along, read along. I'm like, well, who did what? Well, who did what? And then all of a sudden, there's like this, just this twist in the last like four lines. And I'm like, and it was just, it turns the whole story. Yeah. Like this whole story that I thought I had been reading. Right. Now I get to the end, and I'm like, but it's not a, it's not cheesy, it's not um sort of saccharine. It's or not cheating. Or cheating, like, and then he woke up from a coma. Right. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's it's none of that stuff you know so you know when i got to the story it it felt like he it was like this like gotcha moment i could just see bud sitting there and be like ha 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 you know i got him on that one but and you know what story i'm talking about right yeah Uh, and there's actually in the book there's actually one easter egg too oh is there an easter egg in that story Mm. not in that story but in the book okay well then i have to go back and and check them out but i think that's one of the things that I think you kind of like that. I mean, mm-hmm. knowing you, you know, as friends and then to see your writing style. I mean, I can see, I mean, I can see you behind the work just sitting there and be like, and I'm going to twist it right here, <laughs> you know. But there is, there is some satisfaction because you try so hard not to be, look at me writing, look at me writing. But then sometimes you're like, this is, I was talking about this. I may have been talking about it with Stephanie, but I was talking about this uh, just recently, how, when you're writing for people, you know, when it's not, when it's something you're writing that you know people are going to read, writing for publication, and there are tricks that are tricks, and then there are, like, the reader expects a certain amount of, I want to find this here. When I reach out in the dark, I want to know where this phrase, like, I see how this phrase is going to go. Don't mess with me. Let this phrase go the way I've seen it a million times. And then sometimes you're like, no, 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 no. We're going to use a different, we're going to use a different approach altogether. But there are sometimes when you start saying the first three words, the next three words, everyone expects to be that way. And there's no, and when you don't put those words there, that's like, look at me writing. You know, it's like, you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying just reverting to cliche. I'm saying just the patterns we speak in and the things that we're used to reading in, reading about, sometimes you you feel like there's a rhythm that is in everything. And whenever you touch one of those rhythms that's in everything, you have to stay with it or you're going to lose people and you're going to look maybe a little pretentious or maybe like you don't know what you're doing. But then there are other times when you're like, hey, here's a novel idea. And so that balance between this is novel and this is what you expect is is where is where I think a lot of the good work will come from. Yeah, and and you have to be careful that you're not, if you do that, that you're not taking the person out of the narrative. Right. You know, if it if it takes them out of the narrative, you've 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 missed the whole point. Exactly. You always want want to serve the narrative. 
So, inside joke between Stephanie and I. <laughs> I was actually talking to my daughter about the same thing. Like, uh, Edgar Allan Poe famously was talked about the unity of effect in, uh, in short stories. How everything had to point to the end no matter where. Like, anything that wasn't, that didn't serve the story didn't belong there. And that's how you could tell. Like, what does this do to make this story move forward? Nothing. Mm-hmm. Then you're just showing off. And when you look at your writing like that, it makes it a little bit easier to kind of, especially when you're working with just a thousand words, it's, it's you, you really want to get the most economy out of your ideas. Mm-hmm. I think that was one of the things that kind of popped up in my head is one of my favorite you know, quotes by a writer is James Baldwin. And he said, and I'm going to not probably say this exactly correctly, but he said, the point is to write a sentence as clean as a bone. And I, that phrase has always stuck with me. And I remember when I was reading, especially that particular story, I think it's called Any Road Will Get You There. Um, I remember thinking like, there's nothing extraneous in this story. There's nothing extra. There's nothing that's not supposed to be there. And it's just this very clean sort of point A to point B, but point B turns out to be Z. Mm. very quickly and it's just I remember thinking that as I was going through like there's just not a lot of extra stuff I mean you don't yeah just... but, but there's a lot more going on in your head than's going on on the page yeah exactly, exactly. You're, but that's that's what makes it compelling like if you're asking me to participate in the story you're gonna have me more than if you're just telling the story right. at me yeah so for you I mean and I can't remember if I've asked you this before but I mean how how long has this style of flash fiction and these little turns and adding a little supernatural element, like there's even one story that has a, you know, a time traveler in it. And then, you know, there's one story where I, I'm not sure if the girl has like schizophrenia or not. Uh, <laughs> my jury's still out on that one. Um, you know, and there's these stories that have, you know, some little hints of other stuff going on. But how long has some of that been sort of sitting with you? Uh, probably about as long as I've been writing. It just, it's just kind of ingrained, I guess. It's, uh, it probably goes back to all the stuff I read. Right. You know, so it's, you know, a lot of Stephen King, a lot of, (laughs) you know, stuff like that. What's interesting about the choice to stick with flash fiction, though, is that, that arbitrary, you know, 1,000 word number is also is also really useful. Um, I remember my my daughter was saying, you know, I have all of this information, and I and they said, you know, a maximum, and the teacher said a maximum of three pages, which is in high school it's like seven hundred and fifty words or something like that. And she was sweating over it, and I said, well, they do that for a reason. Um, they do it for two reasons. The first reason is they want you to make sure you sharpen your ideas and that you're. Again, everything and that everything you say is important. And the other one is, if you're going to be one of these kids that just tries to fake it at the last minute, at least they only have to read three pages of it. Like, <laughs> you know, we're like, like, well, I'm just because because a lot of times if you have extra words, you'll burn them and you'll make the reader one will burn them and one will make the reader like watch you figure out what your what the story you're telling is, and that's when you know when the open ended is insufficient but when you have a thousand words and you're locked into a thousand words you're you'd want to tell so much that you're not gonna 
make the reader watch you figure it out. You're going to figure it out before you sit down and get to work on it. Yeah, and the, these are pretty close to a thousand words. When I was doing some of the editing, um, I had I had the, the entire document up in a Word document. I looked and it was like 54,000 some odd <laughs> words. So, <gasps> <laughs> well. It, Probably, probably the captions under the photos. Or something like that. <laughs> but you know the um, you know one of the things that I think is interesting about flash fiction, and and I have um, I'll be honest, I don't think I've ever attempted flash fiction because I know I'm long winded. Um, <laughs> but you know, I think one of the interesting things is, is that it strikes me a bit like a puzzle. You know, you've got you've got a character that you've got to put in there that somebody's got to, we've got to somewhat care about something that happens or make them compelling in some way. We have to have a story arc. We've got to have a setting. We've got to have, you know, this, a, conflict. a conflict of some sort. And there's, you know, and we've got to get from point A to point B. And, you know, for me, a thousand words, um, you know, seems, it seems like a tall task, you know, to get in there. But then I remember we talked with poet, um, Christopher Salerno and right. he was like to him a thousand mi- a, a thousand words would seem like a marathon that right. would just seem like right. miles and miles yeah. and miles because he's used to even even more than you mm-hmm. is just stripping it down 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 right. down down to you know a poem and I just I'm always kind of curious about the I don't know I'm gonna say our preferred endurance you know like I prefer a lot of words on the page you're like, yeah, maybe not so much. And then, you know, and then Christopher's just taking like a few. But does, did it feel like a puzzle? Did it feel like a challenge? Was that why you sort of rose to it? Or was this just? It's currently, it's my preferred uh, genre to write in. It's right. Flash, you know, well, it's not a genre. It's a right. style. I style, guess. yeah. Um, and it's, it's yeah, it, it is a bit of a puzzle. I mean, it's a challenge. Um and, and but I think I said this before on, on one of the other podcasts. It, as I was writing, I could kind of tell when I was about three quarters of the way through, even without looking, and knowing it was time to to wrap it up. You know, right. yeah. get, put the little twist in, do whatever I needed to do. Uh, uh, I actually I still have that. It, it's it's like a newspaper sense for me because you only have there's a limited number of inches. You know, you're going to get a 12 inch story or whatever. And um, I can look at something that I've written and guess within like 20 words how much how much I've already written. It just because in, in the newspaper business, a lot of times about 800 words is what you're going to. So what you're going to see a lot of regular news, not features, but a regular news story. It's going to run around 800 words. And if you if you're going to push it to a thousand, you're going to have to get permission to justify like, are you just making them figure out what the story is with you? <laughs> <laughs> or right. do you really know what you're talking about? Yeah. And so, 800 is 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 a nice is a nice newspaper story. And I can when I get to 600, I can just feel it in my bones. Like, okay, it's 600. Have you said everything you want to say? Because you're running out of space, and that wall's not going to move. Right. For you, anyway. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think that um, that you know my experience as a journalist took a you know a whole summer, and that was <laughs> that was enough to know that I was not cut out for journalism. <laughs> But, you know, I think for me, I've always felt like when I'm approaching an essay, which is sort of my preferred format, a short story essay, um, I always, in my head, I, I always see a skeleton, you know? And so there's like, you know, the head, the arms, the torso, and the legs. And, and I kind of know, 
like I kind of approach it that way and I'm like okay here's my skeleton and now I've got to add the muscles on the legs because that's got to you know that's kind of like my theme that's going to kind of get me through it and then then I'm like shoving in some guts and you know and then for me the very the very last thing which would I guess most people would call like the you know the revising or the finishing off and that's when there's some hair on there and some eyes and some you know and kind of and, and then kind of you know finish it off into being a whole body like a literal body of work you know but I wonder when you're when you're making like when you're when you're planning because you 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 sound like you're you're going you're going at it and then you're like okay I'm 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 coming to an end. Did you ever look at one of the pictures and say this story is longer than a thousand words and I can't tell it and I have to wait until later? Did you ever look at any pictures and say there's not a thousand words in this picture? There's actually one story in the book that. And it's, it's strange. It's the only story in the book that I did not look at the picture and come up with the story. I, I, the story came to me while I was mowing grass. And, ah. and I said, that story goes with this picture. Oh, that's great. And, but that picture, there's more to the story there than, in fact, several people have told me that. There's more to that story. And I will pro- that one may be get fleshed out into something bigger mm. at some point. And there's always so, so again it, it happens with essays too like when you're when you're starting out that's exactly you're like okay how long or at least this is how I, I I do it it's like all right how long is this like how much do you have to say is this the kind of thing that you should be able to say in three thousand words or fewer one thousand words or fewer you know is this a ten thousand word essay because and this is me speaking to me because you don't you're not good enough to one topic for 10,000 words. You're, you're, you're going to lose people. You know what I mean? Like, like I top off, I can be interesting for 2,800. I can maybe be interesting for five, but 500, 5,000 and five words is too much to ask of my style on one, in like a one sitting kind of thing. Yeah. See? I, yeah. I, 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 I just ran out of words. <laughs> No, but I think you're right. I mean, I know that, like, I just sort of gave my skeleton analogy, but I always feel like when I'm writing a piece, like, you kind of, you two both kind of seem like you know when you're approaching the end. I feel like I, I'm i just building all the time. I'm just building and building and building, and then it's like there comes a moment where it seems like all, th- there's a there's enough there, and then it's, it kind of, Goes a little bit through the revision process, but I I can't say in my head that I ever get to a point where I'm like I've said too much, <laughs> you know. I'm always just like the thing that's kind of always running in my head is have I said this in the best way possible, and I will just tack at it and tack at it and tack at it until I think that it's the best way that I right. can possibly say it. Um, and I don't think that I mean I I can't even imagine what the shortest piece I've ever written is. And well the. On the other hand, where you were saying, you know, were there ones that could have been longer? They all could have been longer, right? Um, like, like the one that um, that, that you you particularly like. Oh, uh, all roads, all roads, any leads. road will get you there. Oh, any road will get you there. Um, I mean, there's a whole lot of backstory to that that you kind of got kind of got to fill in yourself, right? Uh, yeah, there you know? was. And there's a whole lot that could have happened after it. Oh, this yeah. is just a little slice of a story, essentially. You right. Know? Yeah. It's, like one slice but but, but, but it's a slice that's complete yes and well and that's what the, I, for me that's what the appeal of, of flash fiction is that, that you bring yourself to it like you know it's, it's common for people to say you know i wish that book didn't end you know but 
No, no. If if it didn't end, you wouldn't like it. Trust yeah. me. <laughs> you know, there's a thing called too much of a good thing. Right. It, right. it ended where it needed to, and now you get to just deal with the ideas that were presented to you, right. and turn them in on themselves and in on themselves. We were talking last night, my wife and I, about a couple of different books. And I said, because books stay with me more than they stay with her. She 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 knows that she really loved a book or really didn't like a book, but she doesn't always know. She'll know the plot, but like I can quote parts of books <laughs> that I read just once. Just And what I was saying to her is the books that stick with me are the ones that I keep thinking about. Like if hardly any of Stephen King sticks with me because it's just... There's nothing about like there's there's nothing about life life in there. It's like it's a nice book and it was entertaining, but it wasn't anything I didn't know. But when you read a book and it changes the way you think about something, that starts you thinking about the book over and over again or the story over mm-hmm. and over again, and then you start pulling stuff out that maybe the writer didn't intend, but it's inspirational in that way where you're where you're learning more about the story and about yourself and in my case and about words and how to use them without the author making you do any of it because it was a short enough piece because it had everything it needed to move you forward, to, to hand to you so that you could go forward with it. Right. <clears throat> Stephen King in the dark tower, uh-huh. the very last book, the very last chapter, he says, he gets you right up to this point And he says, you know, dear reader, if you if you're one of these people that likes things tied up with a neat bow, stop here. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody can do that. Yeah. But he gives you the option. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually I never finished the Dark Tower. Um, I'm I'm one of I'm one of the tens of thousands, maybe certainly thousands, that was so mad about the distance between book number three and book number four that I never. It was twelve years between book number three and book number four, but. People your age don't know that because by the time you were reading them, they were all they, out. They were all out. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I never went back. I've not, I've not read uh, any Stephen King since maybe three or four years after that book didn't come out. I'll, <laughs> I'll read his short stories. I think, I think the man is a master of short stories. I think in another two hundred years, like he's, they're going to say this is how you write short stories. I think he does yeah. them as well. His as are anybody own, else. His short stories are. Oh yeah. 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 I would also maybe like to take this moment to remind you that you that I I loaned you my Stephen King's um on writing memoir on the craft of writing, and um you still have it and you still haven't read it. So, <laughs> so uh, you can you can keep in possession of it. I would just like you to read it because I would like to talk about it. Okay. <laughs> It's a good just, book. I've read and it. And now we're on record that way. <laughs> yes. Now I'm just going to like point this moment out um, in future. And so you had um, you had this re- website. We're, we're coming up a little bit toward the end here. So you had a, you had a, uh, a blog and you had a bunch of followers on the blog. Um, how are you using that? How are you using what people know about your book already to kind of get people to now buy it? Like, do you have like a plan for... For getting the books sold, do you have? Are you going to do readings and? Well, you had a Patreon sittings? too. I had a Patreon. Um, I'm there's. I only had five people, and of the five, I'm going to send three of the books because they paid enough to buy the right. book essentially. Um, and the the blog has basically since gone stale. You know, right. it's. Um, but like, do you have subscribers to the blog that you're going to send them an email and say, "Hey, this book is out." Uh, I don't know. I'll have to look. Yeah. It's like I said, it's gone stale. I haven't really been keeping it up at all other than to say that 
the book is in process. Right. Um, so yeah, that's that's. But very you have good a idea. website where you sort of, you know, you have the the budscott.com. And yeah. you've got, I think you just re, revamped that a yeah. little bit. And um, we've got the new bookstore here in Berlin. where Right. And I'll be doing a um, uh, book signing there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. So. And will you be posting that, for instance, on budscott.com? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So if people want to find out where they can get the book, right. besides Amazon and Saltwater... Right, um, they, they can, can buy it directly from budscott.com. <laughs> they can get a now. Do you are you doing a, a so with with my book? I I made a deal that I couldn't sell them online. It was like one of the real rules was you can't sell this book online because we sell it online. Fine. Um, so what I did instead was I had a perpetual virtual book signing, and so that if you wanted a signed copy. <laughs> then you could buy it from me, and I'll sign it before I before I send it out the door. Okay. Well, uh, I, I the I'm just doing the 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 basic you know paperback book right through Saltwater Media, and so I've, there's no no restrictions on what I can do <laughs> with my book. Yeah, that's the beauty of working with me. I'm like, do what you want. <laughs> well, more or less, yeah. But no, I think we came up with, um, I mean, I'm really proud of the way that Dead People from the Attic looks. I mean, I think we've got a, I think, I think it came together really well. I think we've pulled, you know, paired the photos well with the with the images. I think the, the titles came together. So I feel like, I mean, I'm really proud of it. I'm, I'm really proud that it's one of one of our books and will be part of our canon. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really impressed with the way it's come out so far. Yeah, so. it was it was funny when we were looking at doing like choosing fonts and stuff like this. I know like Bud loves, uh, he he does seances. He he's sort of got that vibe. And um, I found this particular font that I was like, oh my god, that reminds me of a Ouija board. And so <laughs> you know, so we we had a, a moment to I think be playful in in some areas with with the material, which felt very vintage. You know, with mm. I mean, there's characters and names like Alma and Wilbur, and you know, and so it felt like we were kind of pulling a very vintage product kind of into a new era, and it was just a lot of fun to work on. All right, Stephanie. Well, now this is the part of the show where you thank the guest. Well, Bud, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you. So What's Your Story was produced by Saltwater Media, an indie book publisher in Berlin, Maryland. Visit us at SoWhatsYourStoryPodcast.com, where you can find past episodes, guest bios, show notes, and all sorts of fun stuff. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Radio Public, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, take a second and give us a great review. Tell your story.